0: we don't beat culture to the punch on that one we're behind whatever you think is the earliest they're hearing about issues and topics of sex it's two years sooner than you think
1: that's the foundation for then every other decision you begin to make
0: i love that you said that this is very real for me in the last two weeks as i was talking about these four things i was like steph we've
2: got to do this triage of our family right now
0: you doing that showed her oh that's what christians do
2: Hey everybody, welcome to the Live Change Podcast. My name is Chad and I'm joined as always by Jason and Joanna. And today we're going to be talking about family, but not just like families in general. We're going to talk about how to have a Christ-centered family. And that can be tricky in this kind of confusing, sometimes good, sometimes bad world that we live in. And we're not going to just talk about the philosophy behind it. We're going to actually give really tangible things. We're going to talk about four influences that are kind of the walls, the four walls of of every Christ-centered family. And and frankly, these are the walls that are on everybody's family that we need to pay attention to because how we navigate these four things, these four influences dictate how our family goes. Now, before we jump right in, let me tell you what those four things are that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about culture, we're going to talk about people, we're going to talk about faith, and we're going to talk about priorities. So, I think this is a really critical topic. Like, how do do you guys feel? Like, you know, it's sometimes difficult to to raise a Christ-centered family in the world today. Do you guys think it's difficult?
0: Yeah, it has. It certainly has its challenges. I think those four areas you just outlined are always sort of at play, at least in the dynamics of our home and constant conversations around those things. So, yeah, I think think absolutely this and. Joanna, like I was talking to Steph last night,
2: and uh, like as I was talking about these four things, I was like, "Steph, we we've got to do this triage of our family right now." Like yeah. when I was done, I was like, "I was like, w- wake the kids up. We got we got to go through this right now." <laughs> did, yeah, you, did you did you wake the kids up? I I did not. Okay, good. Because <laughs> then That's smart that would that would be not wise.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like the majority of our conversations. Hit one of these four things. Always. Mm-hmm. Most days, honestly. That's that's true. Especially yeah. with school and all
2: yeah. 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 I'm uh, excited to talk about these. So we're gonna jump right in because we wanna we wanna make sure we hit all of it. So we're gonna talk about culture. Now the first question I have is how do you determine what aspects of culture are appropriate and those that are not? But let me define culture as culture is the world we live in. It's the kind of the pool we swim in. Mm-hmm. Culture is like the movies, the media, the social media, the uh, the music we listen to, the books we read, the politics, the everything, the, the, like I said, the waters we navigate each and every day, and those influences how they affect us as a family. So, how do you guys evaluate for your families what culture is appropriate for your family to let in? Like what aspects of the culture are, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it, it honestly depends on some of it depends on the stage that they're at. There oh, are things, good. there are, um, you know, you can't parent every kid the same way. That's certainly true. Um, and you can't parent every stage the same way you shouldn't be parenting your 17 year old in the same way that you parented them when they were four. I mean, like, so, I mean, some of that's just common sense, right? But when it comes to culture, there are aspects that with Sienna being 17 now, um, there's a different kinds of conversations or different things maybe that we would be okay with. And we're, then we're going to be with Solomon again, that's kind of common sense, but that was, that would be one of the filters is thinking through sort of age and stage and, um, their ability to, 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 um, see what, what what you want to do with your kids is you want to help them learn how to interpret and navigate culture. And sometimes the yum or yuck, you know, sort of mentality, you know, I think we've talked about that in the past actually doesn't teach them how to think. And, and what you want to do, you want to teach them how to think about culture. Again, all those aspects, media, politics, uh, cultural hot t- topic issues, uh, what it means to be a citizen, I mean, all these kinds of things, right? There are culture. Yeah. And if you just take a yum or yuck, like, oh, all those kinds of movies are bad. Or the yum is like, we don't really ever. Yeah, watch what w- you want. Watch what you want. Neither of those teach you how to think. And so the the hope, I think, from a culture standpoint is that we're teaching our kids how to think with a biblical worldview, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, Christianly, you know, you know, about these kinds of things. But Jason, so you have a 17-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. What happens
2: when she disagrees with you what those filters are? Because we have some parents that are listening. They're like, yeah, that's all good
0: and great. But I could tell my 17-year-old like, hey, I don't think that movie is appropriate. It's just happened.
2: Oh, it's yeah? literally
0: just happened with a, with a particular movie. And I, I won't get into all the specifics. But there was a particular movie that came out recently. And um, I look always ahead of time. If our family is going to go see a movie, you know, whatever, or if we're going to watch one at home, whatever. I, I go to PluggedIn.com. Okay. And so PluggedIn.com is a great resource. You, they basically tell you what's in every movie. Then I can make an informed decision, at least before going to see it.
1: Yeah, we do the same. Yeah, yeah we use Common Sense Media. There's yep. a ton of great ones out there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There are. And so I looked at and I was real interested in this movie and this particular director is like one of our, my favorite favorite directors and all this kind of stuff. So I was real excited to go see this movie and Sienna loves this director too. And this, Mm. um, this movie or, or this, um, and she was real interested in this movie. All that to say, I went and looked and I realized there's some things in that movie that I didn't feel comfortable with. Now Sienna is 17. So I actually talked to Jenny about this and I said, Look, a year from now, she's not even going to be in our home.
2: Hmm.
0: So, what are we going to do then? So, I might as well we got to treat her like she can make her own decisions now. However, I still have the opportunity to have a conversation with her. So, I had the conversation with her, gotcha. and I just said, "Hey, I'm not going to go see this movie because I found out there's some of this stuff in there." Wow. And, um, but you, and and here's why, and here's my reasons for. It. I mean, all that, and even biblically, like I don't want to. I was trying to explain some of that, but it's your choice.
2: That's great because and a
0: year from now she'll make that choice outside of our home when she
2: leaves home. So I love what you said. You said I can't dictate for her, but I can have a conversation. I still get to do that. I still get to do that, Joanna. How do you do this with a young kiddo? Where like I think some parents feel like they they can't be strong at early stages as as strong as they probably can be. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, I feel like for us talking about what comes in the home or what Finn and junior both allowed to interact with. It's interesting. So Finn, he'll be, uh, or he's eight. Junie, she's three. So even that is like a five-year age gap between the two. So there are things that Finn wants to watch that Mm. Juni can't watch. And so we don't even have two kids that can digest a lot of the same media. So I would say for Finn, we, um, we listen for what kinds of questions he's asking. And so like, I think there are even times where we've determined something's appropriate And he'll come back to us and ask questions about it or ask us like, hey, actually, that was a little scary. Or he'll tell me like, hey, this thing, it says like on Netflix, it's Y7. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm more than seven. So like, (laughs) is it going to be okay? And it's like, cool. Well, like, let's talk about it together. Or you haven't watched this before. So if it's something doesn't feel right or you feel scared or nervous or whatever, then like you have full permission to turn it off and you should. And then with Junie, I mean, she, we are very much making the decision around what she's watching, when, how much. And we still have a lot of that with Finn, but I would say, like, that's the difference that we've seen just now parenting two kids in different stages that, like, Jason, to your point, part of it is a lot of conversation and more conversation with Finn. Where now, I feel like he's very used to that, and we've, like, started that early to where we're not like surprising him now that we're asking him like, Oh, why are you watching that? Or you can't watch that. So I would say like the posture of conversation has been huge in our journey so far. The explanation for my
2: kiddos, like sometimes it started early by saying, we're not going to do this. This isn't what we do. This is what we listen to, but we did adapt it to, let me explain why.
0: Absolutely. That to me is good parenting. Again, that kind of gets back to like, if you're just saying no at 17, well, that's you're, you're doing what you that's necessary at four. Yeah. That's okay. You can be legalistic at four. You don't need to worry about that. But you gotta help them to understand why the why behind stuff. So later. Along
2: that lines, bunker mentality. Now some families have taken up bunker mentality. I call it bunker mentality where it's like, hey, you know something? We're gonna shelter in place and we're not gonna let any culture come in at us. We're gonna we're gonna filter everything and you know, we're not gonna have a TV in the home and we're not gonna, you know, we're not going to be a part of culture. Mm -hmm. They separate themselves from culture, not as far as Amish, but you know, like, Mm -hmm. but pretty strongly. Is there a downside to bunker culture or, Mm -hmm. or is that, is there some wisdom in that? I don't, I
0: don't know. Yes. And yes, there's probably some wisdom in that. And there can be a, there can be a downside. The wisdom in it is you're trying to be discretionary with what you allow in. Mm -hmm. Like that's just wise. You know what I mean? Like what you garbage in garbage out. And so, there is there are things that Jenny and I just won't let in our home now we don't not have a TV, but I mean there are things so my there is a line at some point you draw, which is we have a TV, we just won't watch this. Some people just draw yeah. that line here and go, we just won't have a TV. I mean, I understand that so there yeah. there could be wisdom that's not our conviction, but that there there could be wisdom in that. The downside is you don't learn how to think critically about it so that's again. I would just rather take the approach. I I, I think I'd rather take the approach that my kids are going to have to learn how to think for themselves outside of my home. And I would just rather progressively move them along the way to be able to think critically about it while they're under my roof.
1: Well, and I would even say, just real quick, like we've been talking a lot about kids. I think there's a lot of self-leadership, like even with you and Jenny, how you just talked about what you let into your home and what you don't. Some of that is also for the benefit of you and Jenny. Like there are things that like Kevin and I, we will choose not to watch, listen to.
2: That's great. um,
1: Because it's like, that's also important to us. It's not like we get free reign and we get to watch whatever we, because we've arrived at a certain age. Like, um, Hmm. so also we've been talking a lot about kids, but I think there's a lot of, as on an individual level, you have to decide what that looks like too.
2: And that's great. Especially if there's a young couple listening that doesn't have any kids right now. If you're listening right now, pay attention because if you shape that culture between the two of you, it will be
0: easier when it's the four of you. I love that you said that. And and so let me, let's go back to that. So again, this is very real for me in the last two weeks. Let's go back to that movie example I was talking about. Yeah. I have to let Sienna make that choice on her own. Mm-hmm. Now I have a younger child, a younger one, not my, I mean, I have a younger one who, who could go see the movie who loves that director and all that kind of stuff too. I said no for him. Yeah. Okay. And he's just a few years younger, but I said no for him. And what I did was sit down and go, and let me tell you why I'm not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Because that's the conversation. Like, it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. it. This is because I want to follow Jesus and I want to. And totally. my conviction around this is, and I tried to show him, and there are some things that affect men different than women. Like, we had all that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, that's good. So, again, it's kind of parenting kids, but you can't parent every kid the same and, and know your age and stage and all that. So, Um, but, but, but to, I want him to know it's not because you're a kid Mm -hmm. that, and I think that's what I'm, what I love about what you said. It's It's because I want to honor God. Yeah. And so that's really independent of because you're, because you're seven or because you're 14 or because you're seven. Like, it's just like, I think this is what, you know, Jesus said. You know, and then we talked about some scriptures and all that so it there's a difference between walls and fences walls
2: you can't see what's out there, mm-hmm. but fences you can still be protected, but like let me show you what's out there,
0: mm. yeah, while you're still under my guard, you, you know what I mean sense. like and, you still can't yeah.
2: get there you yeah. can see it you you can see it from a distance, and I can explain to you why we're not gonna go there, yeah. but walls are like you just don't even know what's there
0: i you know i I think some so much of this is um is Open lines of communication and allowing them to talk things out, and I know we've talked about that a lot. Like creating a safety place, a safe place in your home. The reality is, they are going to face things. You mean, you mentioned a few sort of things, right? You're going to have to face a world that sexual ethics may not be aligned with your own, um, your your convictions, what you believe is a biblical conviction around, around sexual ethics or identity. I mean, all this kind of stuff, right? Totally. And as long as you are creating the open lines where they bring that up and go, Oh, guess who I saw today? I'm confused by that. I don't know. Hey, help me understand this. I remember what, you know, back in the, during the elections, Cena would come home and she, she was like, what about this politically? She was like, I'm hearing all these kids talk about this. We're not trying, we're trying again to help her think critically about it. Well, this side I think thinks this, have you considered this ang- angle here? Again, I want her to not, Oh, don't listen to them. I'd rather her learn. And I'm keeping, Using Sienna because she's my oldest, but I'd rather her learn how to think. Again, that's the bottom line. I think we've probably made that point. So,
2: do you think that it's wise to introduce topics to them or just wait
0: for them to have the questions? It depends on the topic. I introduce sexuality topics to my kids, you know, planting a seed and then watching their face Mm. and and seeing, you can tell, you got to be real perceptive, but you can throw out a question like, you know, and you can frame it as a question or something like that. Like I, you know, like again, I said with sexual issues of sexuality, I just feel like if we don't beat culture to the punch on that one, we're, we're behind. Absolutely. And, um, and it's whatever you think is the earliest they're hearing about issues and topics of sex. It's two years sooner than you think. So you might as well. And again, that doesn't mean in there's seven. You go, uh, let's talk about sex. What you do is you go, Hey, um, you, you said something about a boyfriend, a girlfriend, the other, you know, so-and-so had a boyfriend on the playground. What, what did, um, and you just watch them and you're and you just see like, Oh, they, Oh, you, Oh, they said they kissed. Oh. And then you take that further and it's like, you realize where mm. you don't want to push them too far because you don't want to put, put something in their head that's not there. But again, it's just be real wise, watch them and let them put the breadcrumbs that's out. Great. And if they take one, you keep, putting more out and seeing where they go. And then you'll realize this has happened with me a couple of times with my kids. I've brought up something. I didn't say the word porn yet, but it's like, I'm trying to think of like how I would have gotten to it. Like, um, you know, like, uh, you know, pictures of girls on phones or something like that. Yeah. And I've seen at times, like both my kids be like, huh? I'm like, we're good. I don't need to go any further. Yeah. And I didn't, you seem like I didn't jump right to porn. It's more like that. And so, they leave going pictures. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. It's good. But if they go, uh huh, I know. Oh yeah, you ever? I can go further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, it's just read and react a, a lot of that. that. I'm going to close
2: this section by saying that the waters of culture are ones that we all must swim in. We want to teach our kids how to swim, not not give them floaties like we need to teach them how to navigate the waters of culture because we're raising adults, not kids. And that is a, just as important for the health of our marriage. And if you're a couple that is, you know, outside of kids age, you know, like maybe you're an older couple, it is just as important to navigate the culture as an older couple, because these things can have just as insidious of an effect on, on older couples as it can younger children. So,
0: um, Chad, before, let me just say one last thing with yeah. that. You know, I, from a biblical standpoint, this is this is very common in the scriptures where cultural artifacts are secular cultural artifacts. Let's say um, things that are made in culture are used for the glory of God in some way. Um, in the Psalms, there's all these instruments that are listed: my lyre, my seven-string harp, and my lyre and my tambourine. Mm. All. These were pagan instruments they were using pagan, and and David saying, no, 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 no. They're just culture. I can u- I can use those, redeem those. Paul in uh, in in Acts uh, seventeen, he quotes poets that are sec- that are that are pagan or, or secular poets. They're not. He doesn't even quote the Bible when he's trying to start a conversation with people living in Athens about God. My point is, you, we don't have to be scared of it. Mm. We can actually redeem it, but it, okay. re- that requires careful thought and that requires conversations. Because I can have conversations with my kids about oh that movie, um. What did that tell you about how women should be treated? What can, I mean, you don't want to be that guy all the time, but you can figure out ways of talking about that. How did that, what did that make it seem like right and wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, those are, those are ways of redeeming it. Those are ways of using it to get to bigger conversations. And again, we have a history in the, in the scriptures of Christians doing that. Um, and that's wise
2: so absolutely all of this applies to to the kids the families even if we're single like if you're single listening like do this now like worry about this stuff now figure out how you yourself are navigating mm-hmm. the culture and really? all of these influences because if you don't figure it out now how are you going to do it with a spouse that also has an opinion? And, if you're, and then children that you're supposed to raise and everything. So this is a great conversation. And
0: as a, and as a single person, again, if you're following Jesus, this is just you're, you're being faithful to learning how to live in a culture with a biblical worldview. This is a great conversations to have with your friends. Absolutely. These are great conversations to have in your group. So anyways. That's great. Um,
2: influence. Now we're talking about people. So people, obviously, I think, you know, we can all acknowledge that people have an outsized influence with us more, probably more than anyone else. So what do you look for in the people that will positively influence your family? So let's, instead of going to the negative people, because we spent a whole podcast on negative Mm -hmm. influences and people, but what do you look for in the positive influences that are of the people that are going to influence your children, your family, yourself?
1: Yeah. So for us, we, um, Look at, like, do we have similar parenting styles? Um, do we have similar worldview? Sometimes it's not always the same, and I think that that's okay. Um, I think depending on how close you uh, are interacting with your with those relationships in your family, I think that that's okay. Um, and also how they um, talk about this stuff with their kids or what, um, yeah, what do those conversations when you're close enough look like or how do they speak to their kids or, or parent and is that similar style? So then I think for us, it's we put ourselves in circles that were closer to those people um, because they end up loving their kids or our kids like our own kids.
2: As our family continues to grow, we have friendships that come along with us. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had to navigate a situation where there was a friendship where it was like, you're a good friendship for
0: me, but not we? If you're a Christian, you I think you probably should live in this tension. And, and, and the reason why is because your fundamental... You're, you've already been given your marching orders. If you're a follower of Jesus, you already know what you're supposed to do with your life. Yeah. Everybody's like, what do I do in my life? It's like, oh, that's, that's easy. Uh, let's go to Matthew 28. Go and make disciples, teaching people to, you know, baptizing, teaching people to follow me and baptizing in the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Jesus saying, you, you got your vocation. You can choose what, like, job. you got to go make lead people to me, introduce more people to Jesus and together fully follow him. That's what we talk about as a church all the time, right? So here's my point. I take that literally. I take that seriously. Here's what that means. We are going to be in relationships with people who do not know Jesus and do not care to know Jesus. I have a responsibility, personally, we feel like as a family, to be reaching people. That will put us in tension at times, and it has. That means we've been at parties as families where we have to afterwards go, Hey, um we don't do that yeah, all that stuff you saw, and here's why we don't um, oh, well, you just heard about that. I guess we got to talk about what that is now yeah that's happened okay that's is part this is part of what it means to be in the world, but not of it. in the world is you're gonna bump into this stuff doesn't mean you have to participate, be of it so so to me what we what Jenny and I have kind of found along the way is we again. There are layers of influence and intimacy. The more intimate you are, the more influence they're going to have on you. And so there's a proverb that says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and reap destruction. So I can be. we can be friends. We can go to get-togethers. We can hang out. That doesn't mean we have to walk together. Mm-hmm. And I want to walk with people who are walking in the same direction, but I want to know people and associate with I mean I wanna I wanna be with people who who don't know Jesus because how yeah. else can we go and make disciples? I don't, you know, like you kind of have to be with people who aren't disciples yet. Yeah. So this is a tension you you gotta learn to live in. I'd hate to I think the the pro, the, the mistake would be to 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 feel like you got to do one or the other. So then it's like all right, fine. And you just throw yourself into that you don't even think about being influenced or you just wall yourself off. And now you're not going and making disciples anymore. Yeah.
1: And I think to figuring out then what, like as a result of that, what boundaries are right for your family. So I'm one of those parents that I do not like a drop off birthday party yet. We're not there. And so I'm staying at the birthday party. I mean, my kid is eight. Like I, I don't know, maybe those of you who listening think I'm one of those helicopter moms. Um, but I think it's really important. I heard, um, It's really important in this phase to be around the kids and the parents that your Mm -hmm. kids are spending time with. If you can be annoying now and build friendships and relationships with those parents, then later in life that will serve you better because you are already attached to those families in a different way. That's a lot harder when your kids are older and they just want you to drop them off at Mm -hmm. all the places. And so we don't do drop off birthday parties yet. Uh, we talk a lot with Finn specifically around, hey, this is a friend that we play outside in the backyard. Mm-hmm. This yes. is a friend yep. that you're allowed to hang out in your room with. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think like that doesn't keep us from being with, I don't mm-hmm. know, various types of people. We like to your point, we just have levels of intimacy or relationship right. um, that then informs the ways we that. hang out with those folks.
0: And that also doesn't mean that a personal. So there again, I can think of relationships that Jenny and I have had in our lives where, where Personally, we are real close with someone who's far from, like, they're not Mm -hmm. interested. That doesn't mean I got to put my kids around that, though.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, totally. And
0: it's a different thing. I'm trying to do a different thing. I'm trying to reach that person with my family. I'm trying to do a different thing. I'm trying to also, uh, you know, raise them and protect them at times. And I mean, there's all sorts of different roles you play. So, you just got to be you got to be discerning about this. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you should ever feel like you got to apologize for for um hey, we're just we're not going to allow that to influence at this level of intimacy.
1: And just so we're tracking, it's not that some of those folks don't ever get to become closer friends. Mm-hmm. It's just they don't, um, sticking with the Finn example, they don't automatically become we get to hang out in our room friends. Like we don't start there. That's right. Um, And so I think that then that prompts a lot of conversations from backyard friends to um, Mm -hmm. you get to hang out in your room friends. uh, That has just been really good conversations on like how we kind of get from point A to point B.
2: I think uh, I want to like put a spotlight on something that both of you have said. You both basically talked about the fact that there is levels. There's, there's yep. levels of influence when it comes to people. So there's the inner circle. These are the people that it's like, I want you to influence me and my children. And then then there's the outer circle that's like, hey, these are peers. Um, we're probably going to be guarded. You know, We're going to have interaction but and influence, but we're, it's going to be guarded influence. And then there's this outer layer where it's like, we're going to probably do more influencing than anything else. We're going to positively influence, but this is the level where it's like we're going to be, This is not you're going to hang out in your room kind of friend, Mm. stuff like that. So how do you do, do you regularly do this with your kids? Like, do you look at their friends and say like, which ones are going to be in which areas? And, and how do you do that if your, your kids disagree with where that you want to place one of those friendships?
0: Depends on age and stage
2: again, Solomon five we have control over that. You you dictate who's in the circle, who's in the outer circle, and who's in the far ben, outer circle. Eight, yeah,
0: yeah. That's yeah. oh, yeah. not you're not bringing me room. Sienna, I can't do that. Yeah, I mean it's almost silly to even try because she's gone more hours during the day than she is at home. So yeah. I don't know what she's doing. I mean, like you know, I like every parent likes to think they know, but you don't. So so those conversations with Sienna started when she went into high school. We had those circles of influence kind of conversation. Her and I. And just said, "Hey, and you're going to have to make decisions for yourself about who you want." But just know, the 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 thing you can't determine, because Paul says, "You reap." This is a law of God that yeah. you reap what you sow, meaning there are consequences to the thing. There are some principles of life that are true as gravity, and you can try to bucket, but you will be, you won't be the first human. You think you will be. One of them is you will become like the people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. That's the bigger thing. I want her to know then and just go, yeah. now you get to choose. Wow. But the principle you can't choose, that's true as it's been true for since God spoke all this into existence. It's true today. It'll be true tomorrow. So there you go, Seeing what, what are you going to do with that?
1: And I think it's interesting too. So um, with Finn at summer camp this past summer, we've probably had more conversations than ever um, around maybe some friends he had last summer that this summer, those friends might be behaving a little bit differently. That's great. And so then him coming home, I mean, we've definitely had conversations where like, I don't understand why so-and-so is mean. What am I supposed to do with that? I thought we were friends. Mm. And so then again, like we uh, talked about earlier, I think it's just asking a lot of questions. So then it's like, cool. How did that make you feel? Um, you know, and it's like, well, I don't think I want to be his best friend anymore. It's like, okay, so then uh, talk to me about that. So if we're not his best friend, then, like, what would you say, like, that you yeah. are? It's like, well, like, I still want to hang out with him, or I still want to play this game together. And it's like, cool, then I think that's cool. If you're good, I'm good. Um, And so I think, like, I yeah, and I don't know if we're just lucky that Finn just happens to be more extroverted, where Junie, she doesn't want to talk about school at all when she comes home, so we'll see what happens as she gets older. Um, but I just like conversation has been really important to us and letting him know yeah. that like he might not be able to make the decision, but I want him to be able to talk to us about what he's thinking and processing and then how do we help him think um to ultimately like where we're gonna lead.
2: I remember having a conversation with Olivia where it was I, I prepared her that I said, some of your friends that are your very close friends now, I said in the coming years they will change. And I said, people change. And helping to prepare her, and I and I gave her some examples of like, you know, like, because it was like, at that time, it was like, oh, boys are gross. I was like, that will change. I was like, there's going to be some, and then I said, and then there's going to be some girls that boys suddenly become the most important thing in the world to them. And I said, mm-hmm. and it's going to suddenly be like, uncomfortable. And um, just helping her understand that she, people that are in the inner circle today may be in the outer circle tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And helping her and Finn and Sienna to be able to kind of understand like, we may not even realize when they've changed,
0: but they do. And yeah. some people will be like, oh, that feels so judgmental. And it's like, it's not judgmental. That's wisdom. Like, move, you keep, you know, you we're using the word like outer circle. Don't think of outer circle as value, <laughs> think of outer circle as influence. So, in other words, if you're, outer circle. You're not less valuable. You have less in, I'm giving, I'm going to put a wall up to where you don't have as much influence on me. That's not judgmental. That's good judgment. And so judgmental is if you think you're better than them, that's judgmentalism in, you know, look at the plank in your own eye first. That's not judgmentalism. That's just wisdom. So, because we become like the people we hang out with. So I just want to make, you know, we keep talking about outer circle. We're not talking about like casting them out. We're saying, no, 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 I've got to, and that might be a personal decision you just have to make yeah. So I'm not going to give them that level of influence.
1: And I think that would, I mean, I think we'd all say that's the same, um, thing for adult relationships. Absolutely. <laughs> so again, totally. like I know we've been talking a lot about our kids, but I think Kevin and I have had to have these conversations about even just our own like adult yeah. relationships and friends we had in high school versus how that's yep. shifted and changed as we, you know, are in a different stage of life now. I mean, not so. to be
2: dumb, but sometimes it's just, there's certain friendships that are, are emotionally draining mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to have those conversations. So, and this even applies, and I'm going to just breeze past this, but it applies to even people that have uh a, uh a, a influence that is kind of state mandated over our children, so it's like they're teachers and the people at mm. school mm-hmm. and I think that there's a lot of uh concerned parents that are like you know we we have to know everything that's being taught to the kids, and we have to know every single thing about the teachers and I think it's probably unrealistic that we'll ever know everything mm-hmm. and I think it's it's about fostering and developing those conversations. With both the teachers and your kiddo, like it's like yep. know know the teacher. You don't don't know of the teacher. Know them. Talk with them. Yep, Get yep. to know them. Uh, support them, and you know mm-hmm. appreciate evolved, where they're they're they're, they're. Yeah, and if you from.
0: fundamentally don't trust that, then you probably need to take them out out of that school. I mean, like yeah yeah. But it, if it, you're it, gonna yes. do it, you're opening your hands and going, "Yep, there's a risk we're taking with this." Then you just got to be more engaged. And the and engagement
2: and conversation with your kids can undo a lot. Yeah. And so it can be really powerful. And then don't forget that it's us. Like we as parents can't forget that we are probably the single greatest influence. So I led student ministry for a long time here at L C B C and I used to tell people all the time we are the sidekicks in this story. Mm. Actually a really low on the rung sidekick.
0: You were telling the student ministry leaders. Telling yeah, telling right, directors. Right. Yeah, yeah yeah
2: I said Truthfully, I said the superheroes of these kids' development are their parents, and I said, and no matter what happens on a retreat, it can all be undone by a single weekend, home, just a single day home with mom and dad. Yeah. If mom and dad aren't supporting the thing, so you still are the hero, the superhero, the greatest influence, and just make sure it's a
0: positive one. And that shifts, <laughs> that, <laughs> yes, you know, that that count that begins to that seesaw begins to tilt as they get older. Wait a minute, you are into- no
2: longer the greatest influence in Sienna's Sienna's life.
0: You know, that shifts to peers, that shifts all that. But that's why you, again, you get, you do the work early on to help them make good decisions about as best as you can. And by the way, none of this is in your control. Like let's if your kid's making bad decisions, that's, they're making bad decisions. Like sometimes I think of parents, we take on way too much guilt (laughs) about the decisions our kids are making. Like let yourself off the hook a little bit. Like they are responsible at the end of the day. Let's talk about the the third wall of, of developing a, a Christ-centered family,
2: which is faith. Uh, I think this is probably the greatest influence that's going to influence all the others. So let's talk about faith for a second. So what role does personal faith play in the development of a family's faith?
0: Personal, authentic faith is, is, is really important in leading your family. And that's where I think I'm trying to stress is the authentic pieces, the two steps forward, three steps back sometimes, that's... That's not a problem as long as you're like processing and let them see the the, the, the the stuff. Personal faith that becomes the show. I mean, like we're, we're, we're leaving our friends and families yeah. in a really tough spot, man. If they think that church and Christianity is something you put on an act, you put on, yeah, that's dangerous. And sure. I think
1: so yeah, much of your personal faith, or even then as a couple, that is what all the other stuff we talked about already today starts to pour out of like that is where the foundation for then the conversations for the discernment for the decision-making um, you're starting from a place uh, that you're unified in that faith journey, that authentic faith journey together. So I think that's another reason why it's so important. It's like, that's the foundation for then every other decision you begin to make. And,
0: and I would just, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to make sure we're being real careful here, here, you know, yeah, it's okay to start small. It's okay to do small things on this. Some of us are sitting there going, like some, I would imagine some you know, people listening right now are sitting there going, dude, I, hey, if you just start by just praying with your kid when you put them down, you're like, I've never prayed. Just, just say, hey, uh, God, thank you for today. Mm. Well done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Huge. Well done, dad. That's enough. That's a great starting That's a starting point. You see what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't it magnify just, it. Totally.
1: Like, some of it might as be as just as simple as saying, How's was your day? Mm -hmm. Like if that is even the crack of the door to the conversation that you haven't tried that before, like we actually, um, even online have an article that it's like 50 questions to ask your kid today. Um, and they're real simple, basic questions that just get it going. It's not, we are not having deep philosophical conversations every day on the way home from school. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would agree. Like it does not have to be this giant mountain to climb. It's happens in small steps over time.
2: So I'm going to give the premise here of the fact that we can't. So I'm I'm not going to ask the question. I'm just going to state it. Okay. We can't give our kids our faith. We can't loan our kids our faith. Mm-hmm. They have to develop it on their own. And the statement I, I've really grabbed hold of is if we, if we loan our kids our faith, they never own it. And they're never going to be sad about losing something they don't own. Yeah, that's good. And so like if you think about it, like you don't care if you lose something that's not yours. And so they have to have their faith. They have to own their faith. So let's talk about how we develop our kids and our family's faith uh, for them. Like how, how do we allow them to develop it? So Joanna, what tools and and tips do you give for, we have a ton of listeners that are in like your age bracket where it's like they have young kiddos, elementary, maybe, you know, a younger newborn in home and stuff. And, they're listening to you with bated breath saying like, what do you do to help your kiddos develop faith?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. It has looked so different over the different ages and stages. Um, Actually, I think it was when Finn started, it would have been like sunrise point, like as an infant here. Um, I remember even in our sunrise point environment, they like made this big deal about like that. They uh, pause to pray over your kid while they're changing their diaper So I don't know if we still do that. I hope so. That like was awesome. And. Oh yeah. yeah, Those little stickers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And it was like a good reminder in that moment where I'm like, I'm this exhausted parent that I don't really like, I don't know. You're just like hanging on for any hour of sleep. It was like, oh, you know what? That's really cool that you did that. I think I could maybe try that at home. One diaper change a day to be like, oh my gosh, in the midst of this screaming, crying baby, who's driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should just pause to pray for them instead.
2: So starting Um, with an infant is like pray over.
1: Yeah. And it was just such, I would have never, I don't know that I would have ever thought of that, but it just seemed like such a tiny, small step. Good. Um, So I would say that was like something that like I distinctly remember somewhere along the way, we decided to figure out how to do um, devotions with the kids before bed. And so uh, like Junie has her like beginner's Bible. And so, I don't know, we might get through a page or two um, after her, you know, fun story that she got to pick. Um, but again, just like starting somewhere, um, with Finn, we found a real simple, like devotion for preschoolers. Again, I think it's like less than a paragraph that is just like that thought starter, um, for the end of the day. Um, we try to pray at meals. So again, not like rocket science stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to just like pause, to unify ourselves as a family, um, and to just keep being pointed the same direction. Now on the flip side, there are times where Junie is screaming through that prayer at the dinner table, that like we're pretty sure God heard it, but she's so distracting. <laughs> um, that uh God's like come again. Sounds like chaos. And so again, um, <laughs> it is not always easy and it takes intentionality and there are days and weeks that we get it all sideways. Um, but yeah, I think it's like coming back to it, trying again, figuring out small ways. So I don't know. That's what it's looked like for us.
2: The um and that becomes so like making faith a priority is step one. So, like, you, yeah. you said, you know, step one was actually pray over. Yep. Step two was, you know, pray with.
1: Yeah, that's good.
2: So, J- Jason, what would you say for, like, as we start to get to, to the older ages, it like, where it's like they've got to own it. They've got to figure it out. What do you What do you start to do when we reach those stages?
0: Well, I think you set the stage at the beginning with, I, I just, what I want my kids to know before 10, 11, 12 years old, I'm good if they just know who Jesus is and who they are in Jesus. So one of the things we started with Solomon real early is God made me. God loves me. Like from the two, two years old. That's what we say every night. God made me. God loves me. Like that. That's all you get at two or three. We're good. That's a good foundation to build on. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. How many of us are about to do that tonight? (laughs) God made me. God (laughs) loves me.
0: We said that. We said that literally every night. God made me. God loves me. Okay. Now I want to, Evolve from that eventually. Yeah. you know. And it's like, and Jesus forgiven me you know, of my sins. Jesus gave his life for me. If we get to 10 or 11, that's all, that like, like basically who God is and who they are, we're good. Once they move past, and so like for my kids, I'll read the Bible through with them mm. when they're 12. Um, I've done this with my two oldest. I'll do it with Solomon. And I basically said, if you read the Bible through with me, um, I'll take you anywhere you want to go in the country and so we spend the year planning the trip so that's kind of fun but also every night we're reading usually about a maybe a chapter and a half two chapters right and that generate that starts to that is a pivot point around 12 13 now the, the it's not who god is and it's why why does it matter you know the way we treat women if you're a man why does it matter you know to honor and to to not lust why would jesus mm-hmm. say that Oh, because you're treating women like property that, that generated those kinds of, now you're taught because they can't talk, I, you know, like Solomon doesn't even know why he's not even asking that. That's kind of, not, that's kind of a, he's not an abstract thinking place yet. 1340, they're starting to develop some of that. So I feel like that's where you want to start to ask, why would it matter that these things are, why, why would God care about sex?
2: Mm.
0: Why would he speak into this area? We'll ask those questions, you know, like, why do you think it, you know, so so this is the age where we learn together and we question together. Questioning, I think. Yeah. And you're raising questions for them. I don't want the first time I don't want the first time the Bible is questioned to be by a professor at college where these questions are asked by a professor yeah. at college who has no int- who's who's wow. who's who's going to give one side of the argument and not going to you know there's so I'd rather raise those questions. Yeah. I think under my roof.
2: one of the things I I do with Olivia, who's going into her freshman year of high school is um, I'm really honest with my, I, I, I as vulnerable as is, appropriate. I basically just say where, uh, where my faith is. And, yes. I, and I have a conversation about that. And I talk about like, you know, I messed up. Yeah. Like, and and she was there when I, like I had, <laughs> I had yelled at a, a restaurant uh, employee uh, over the phone mm-hmm. Because he wouldn't honor a one dollar coupon. Not my best moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she was there when I was like, I that was not okay. Yeah, like that was that was uh, that yeah. was not Christian. Yeah, and and I was like, Liv, I'm I'm sorry. Like I I and I called the guy back and I was like, I'm sorry. And he was quite surprised to receive that phone call. Back.
0: Dude, I mean, you you she won't forget that. Well, neither, I mean, she w- she neither might, will but, but, the
2: pizza guy. Yeah, you
0: know? but but do you know what I'm saying? Like this gets back to what I was like. Your family, you're going to see each other at your worst. Yeah. So instead of beating yourself up over that, you just go. Well, what I
2: wanted to do was make excuses. Yeah. I wanted to be like, live that, that, that was wrong. What he did that he didn't honor the coupon and stuff. But I, I had to admit like, and, and Steph was looking at me and Parker's looking at me and Olivia's looking at me. And I'm like,
0: shoot. But you know what you did? You did two things. Uh, you, you. You you taught her more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus by calling that man back and apologizing than you could by giving her a lecture on why we should. Like, you doing that showed her,
2: oh, that's what Christians do. And do you see why it's not perfection? It's, it's see, God is that's perfect. Right. We're not. And it's like we we show the kids how we navigate God in our perfect, in, yeah. in, in our imperfection. yeah
1: And their curiosity is so fun. Like, and I think also just curiosity has gotten us into just real fun conversations or conversations we didn't even realize in the way that they were thinking. And so, like, I don't know, Junie, like, she fell, scraped her knee, a couple days went by, and she just, like, woke up, and she was like, Jesus healed me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were like, and so then we got to have a conversation. How cool is it that God made your body to heal itself from a boo-boo, you know? And it's like, again, that's like such a tiny trivial moment but being able to celebrate who you are that God yeah, made right. you and that he loves you and that yeah. he sees you even when you fall and scrape your knee yeah. and so anyway i think like even just some of those moments they're just tiny moments but being like looking for them right. like that's just been really fun
2: and so if you're single listening this is this is also a, a chance to recognize that you're developing your faith for yourself so the stronger your faith develops in these times, the the more you're taking into future marriage and taking into future relationships. But what do you say to the single person that is influencing the parents? Like, so they've become a Christian and they're trying to to help their family become like influence their their family positively and their with their faith. Do you have any advice for them?
0: I I would do okay. Those it's funny those stages that we talked about that's not really age specific. Mm, mm -hmm. That's almost your understanding of God's uh, specific as well. So in other words, so I might start with God made you and God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Can I pray for you? Yeah. And then it's like, Hey God, I just believe God made you. God loves you. Cares about. Let's start there. You can be 45. That's a great starting point. And then it's like, now let's talk about why God would think these, these kinds of things are important. Yeah. And, and watch me how I do this. So
1: Yeah, and can I just say, I mean, I love the Jesus Storybook Bible as a grown-up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's <laughs> and one of like, the best. For real. Like I know. And so I think sometimes, too, even as adults, we try to, or I try to overcomplicate, like, yep. how to read my Bible, what to read, what to look at. Um, And I don't know, like, even it's fun to read the way that it's depicted for kids and talked about in that way. So, like, Jesus Storybook Bible, like, such it's a good so place good. to start.
2: The uh, last last one on on faith is is there's parents that are kind of sad right now and because the, the kids are older mm-hmm. and and they're like ah like they're walking away. What do you say to those parents that feel like you know their their influence has already waned? Would you give the same advice to the the single person trying to influence the parents? Like, hey, pray for them, pray. You know, what do you say to the parent that they're watching their kids from afar and not living out the faith?
1: Yeah, I so I would say pray for them. God still sees them. God loves them still more than you could ever imagine. Um and that the story's not over. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's this is a really difficult topic. Um yeah. and I think it's just such a real topic that it has so much identity wrapped up in it as a parent, whether you passed or failed um, in launching your kid. And so much of that is like, you probably planted more seeds than you can count. um, And God will figure out what to do with them. And so Uh sometimes I think um, we can put all of that on us and God is saying, hang on, I still got them. You don't know how the story is going to end. And so I think you you have to let go um, of that control. And I know like we've talked about that a little bit in previous episodes. And being okay with, you did the hard work. um, And maybe even if you didn't, God still uh, can move mountains.
2: It's that whole, it's the whole GPS. You may have missed a turn, but God is the God of recalculating. So... Let's talk about priorities, last influence. So the four influences, culture, people, faith, and priorities. Priorities. How do we make priorities important in our family? So how do you determine what your family's existing priorities are? Like, How do you figure out what your family's priorities are? Because like, let's face it, most families are not starting from a blank slate Like, where it's like, you know, I've decided to create priorities. They already have them. How do you figure out what they are?
0: The way you figure out what your priorities are is you know what destination you want to get to. Okay. That's always the way you figure out what your priorities are. So, you you, you know, in other words, if you haven't clearly articulated or clearly thought about what's the destination, you take, take a trip for a second, you know, or as an example. If I know where I want to go, I prioritize based on the route that will get me. There. I mean, like my priorities are I want to take this route to avoid traffic. Like it becomes clearer. So if you don't have a clear, so if my priority is, I want a family, I want the end destination to be a family that knows each other, loves each other, spends time with each other, as an example. Well, I will start to prioritize around making sure that I'm setting ourselves up, at least for those three things to happen. Spends time with each other, dinners will become a priority. Mm. Knows each other, questions will become a priority. I mean, so, I mean, like, again, you just back it up. Yeah. Where's the end destination you need to articulate or kind of figure, and you begin to back up. Your priorities will always line up. Yeah, and here's that. the thing is we will always have priorities. That's, it, like, not setting
2: priorities is not having, is not not having priorities. You, exactly. You're going to have priorities. It's just they're going to be whatever is in the moment. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. if, 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 if spending time with a, a, as a family isn't a priority, then guess what? It's, YouTube has become the priority then. Like, like yeah. that is the family's priority is like everyone being on the phone or whatever it might be. And I'm not trying to guilt YouTube. I love YouTube. I'm just saying like priorities, if, if there's a vacuum, something else will fill
0: that priority. 100%.
1: Yeah, for us being present is one of our family values. And so then we use that as also a decision-making filter. I love and that. so um, I think I've shared Finn Plays Baseball But what we have, so we've decided that, yes, like baseball is a great sport. He can play Kevin coaches. Um, It's a great way for us to also be involved in our community, but we will not, at least in this stage, um, be a family that he's always in a sport. We're always running. The schedule Mm -hmm. will consume us versus us being in control Mm -hmm. of the schedule Mm -hmm. because that competes with our family value of being present. We can't be present if we're all always going a different direction. Um, And so like we have a couple of things in place just for our family values that then help fulfill or lead us closer to just those priorities.
2: And you've spoken about your family values in the past. Is this something you've written down?
1: Yeah. A couple of years ago, we landed on six words for our family. Um, Present is one of them. And so it just, again, it helps us stay pointed in the direction in which we want to go, um, but also just in a way that's unique to us. And so that might not be the same decision-making filter, um, around sports that you have for your family. And that's okay. Uh, and so I think that it's very much what we believe and how we believe God's called our family in this season um, and just in the value set that we have and how, yeah, we use them as decision-making filters for our house.
2: Uh, you know, someone's asking right now, Joanna, can I please have your your words? Uh, any chance you might Give be willing
1: three. to- Give them three. Uh, well, yeah, if, so-
2: or we could put them on the show notes. Like any chance you'd be willing to share your, your family's Yeah, values? and
1: actually I think we have an article- that'll um, oh, even great. walk someone towards how to create that for themselves Good. because I just yeah. think it is so unique to each family. But yeah, so present is one um, pursuing we prioritize relationships with one another, including our relationship with Christ. So even just even some of the other practices I shared so far today oh, around right. family praying and things like mm-hmm. that, again, like work towards that, um, that, and then hospitable, like that's another one that's yeah, right. for us. Um, not necessarily a physical dwelling, but more of a posture, um, to be able to oh, see like others that. around us um, and just care for them well and also one another and create space for conversation and questions and all that. Um, so again, we don't get it perfect all the time, but perfection is not really the goal, right? It's yep. just to be pointed in the it's trajectory yeah. in which is, you want to be moving.
2: Now, I'm just going to call us out. Like, this is all really great when you have two spouses that are like, we are aligned on priorities.
1: Totally.
2: I think a lot of families do not have it's that. That's a great point. And so, like, what do you say to the family that's like, um I say that family time and faith time should be important but my my husband or my wife says no soccer is is all and you know that's the priority or at least maybe they don't articulate it but they say like through their actions that's what they're articulating so what do you what advice or what do you say to that family that's kind of saying like you know what about us
0: That's a doozy Uh
2: yeah and it's a doozy because it's real it's it it's something real. that we're we kind of go through. So what do you say to help the person that is trying to lead a spouse also in reshaping the family priorities?
1: So I think one of, um, I think one of the things that you can do is remember that it's small steps over time and to control what you can control. Bingo. And so I think in the realm of, I don't know, let's say it's the posture in which you show up as a parent to your kids that you're gonna model again, regardless of whether your spouse or partner does it too, you're gonna model what it looks like to ask questions. You're gonna model what it looks like to speak kindly to your kids and not yell. Um, again, perfection's not the goal, but you're gonna model what it could look like to pray at the table. Um it's great. or ask if you can pray at the table. And I think that small steps over time and praying for your spouse or partner, um, yeah, being being able to control what you can control. Um.
0: So, so Joanna, that, I, I love that you said all that, you know, I mean, there's an aspect that makes me want to a- ask you, like, could you have all six of your, your words without Kevin being on the same page? Probably.
1: Probably. Yep.
0: But it would be, it would be exponentially easier, obviously, totally. but that doesn't mean you can't still be present. Yep. That doesn't mean you can't still, like you said, the pursuing, and the, mm-hmm. you can't still model hospitality. Yeah. yeah. So and I love that. It's almost like just take, you got to have to, you, could, you, you, you can still know for yourself. Yeah. And, and I could very
1: that. easily be like, oh my gosh, Kevin's never present. Oh yeah. my gosh, Kevin's never yeah. this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Kevin's never that. Instead of just being hyper focused on, well, am I that? How can I be that? Can I show yeah. up like that? Um,
2: Taking ownership
0: of what you can totally. do. Totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, it, and I think for families that are struggling with priorities, time becomes a real stress. Yeah. And I would say like what Joanna was getting at is like, don't make more great time, make more time great. Mm. And it's like, so mm. like if you want to prioritize faith, but you have to go to the soccer game, you're making the most out of that trip in the car. You're making the most out of praying mm. for the, the other team. You're making mm. the most out of every moment. Don't make more time, make more time great.
1: Well, and also um, sports, sports, are not inherently a bad thing yep. either. No. And so also if you are one of those families that love sports and you know, your That's kids us. are in a ton of we practices and games yeah. and all that, um, also celebrate as a family unit that your kids are going on and cheering their, st- their siblings mm-hmm. or that like, uh, in the midst of a really busy uh, parent schedule that you both ended up at the game cheering on your kids. Um, again, it's like, Figuring out the tension. There's not a right or wrong. It's like figuring out what does that right integration look like? How does that balance happen? Um, it's not like pitting one thing against no. another thing. Um, but I've it's got, the posture.
0: I, yeah, I've got friends who's, you know, they've got kids and their kids are, you know, all over the place with sports, but their commitment in this is we do this together. Yeah. So they're they're that's mm-hmm. their decision. Totally. But but they've got an end in mind, which is togetherness. That's mm-hmm. great. So it's leveraging it in yes. some ways.
1: And I have friends who they can't have dinner together every night of the week, but mm-hmm. they have one night of the week mm-hmm. that this is the family meal and nothing else touches it. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not, yeah. If if you guys hear one thing, it's perfection is just not the goal in any of these areas. Yep. It's just knowing where you're headed and how do you get there together.
2: Yep. So we've talked about like, and I, I think we're challenging all of our listeners like today like today, start to process these four things. Yeah. What, what are, what are the, the influences that are happening in your family, the culture, the mm-hmm. people, the faith, and the priorities go through, do a triage, do, do an inspection of your family. And, and how are these things being, being hit? But I'd love to end with grace. Mm-hmm. Jace, can you tell us like, cause I don't want to heap one more thing onto families that it's like, I already know I'm failing. Thanks for giving me four more <laughs> things that I'm failing at. Um, where does God's grace play in to kind of close us out?
0: You know, the, the grace is like all of these things, you know, you're going to mess up. You're not going to get it right. You're going to allow some things to come into your home. You're going regret. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking for me right now. Um, you're going to get in a fight with your spouse after you just preached on loving your spouse. Not that that's ever happened. And these are the things it's like, look, this is part of following Jesus and trying to create a Christian home, you know, a godly home is not that these things aren't happening. It's that when they do, you show them even it's, you call the guy back and say, I'm sorry. It's, they see me apologize to Jenny. It's, I mean, like this is part. So again, don't overcomplicate this. Mm -hmm. Don't overcomplicate it. It's as simple as guys, here's our intention. I want us to be a home that loves each other and loves Jesus. We're not going to get that right all the time. So we're going to go after it. We're going to pursue it, and by God's grace, He's going to give us the margin in the room to get to take two steps forward and three steps back. And with God's grace, we're going to it's we're wonderful. going to see God do a work in our home. It's wonderful. Well, on that note, I just want to remind everyone to
2: to like, subscribe, leave comments, and share the podcast because this is how we get live change out there for more people to be able to figure out how to live changed and thank you so much for listening and as always now that your life changed by christ live changed